Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Me Undies. I have lots of kinds of underwear in my drawer, but I have to tell you that my favorite kind of underwear is me undies. I love them so much. And Colette, my wife, is so jealous of them that when Mother's Day came up this year and she wanted a variety of different gifts for Mother's Day, one of the things she wanted was some me undies underwear and also their lounge pants. I have a pair of me undies lounge pants and Colette deserves a super soft, super comfortable pair of me undies lounge pants. There are styles for everyone from all black classics to fun, expressive prints, and they come in sizes extra small to 4XL, guaranteeing a flattering cut for everybody. And like I said already, they have unmatched comfort. Their signature fabric is as soft as a warm hug from your favorite sweater. It's also breathable, stretchy, and oh so comfy, making it ideal for all day wear. MeUndies are also responsibly sourced. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers. Get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash HPST. That's MeUndies.com slash HPST for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sacred text. Chapter 18, Birthday Surprises. The next day, Harry confided in both Ron and Hermione the task that Dumbledore had set him, though separately, for Hermione still refused to remain in Ron's presence longer than it took to give him a contemptuous look. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Casper Terkyle. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Casper, before we get started with today's episode, we just want to remind everybody that our Raices fundraiser ends in three weeks And we would just love to keep growing the gift that we are giving as part of our holiday spirit to this amazing organization. So go to Harry Potter Sacred Text and click on the orange button that says, Don't Be a Dursley. And a big shout out to our local group in Providence, Rhode Island, which is run by Erin Newell. We love celebrating our local groups and we're so glad that we have one in the great city of Providence. So, Casper, it is your turn to tell a story through the theme of recklessness. 
Yes. And I'm really excited to hear what you've got for me. Well, way back in 2010, when I started to think about coming to America for graduate school, I started to strategize about how I might get in. And so I applied for a Fulbright once and I didn't get it. And I applied for a Fulbright twice the next year again, still didn't get it. So in the end, I just applied directly to the university and was very lucky enough to get a place to study public policy. And within the public policy program, there's a number of classes that you have to take. They're part of the core curriculum, especially in your first year. Things like statistics, economics, management, ethics. And so within a few weeks of arriving, it was already time to sit exams for these classes because you have midterms in your first semester. And of course, all the students were a little worried about it. You know, this is the first chance that you really get grades and feedback and the class kind of, you know, susses out who's on top and who's not. And... I went to tell my professor that I had chosen not to participate in the midterms for the economics exam because I'd chosen to go on a research learning journey to Detroit to learn about all sorts of alternatives to traditional economic systems. And the face of my professor was (laughs) quite stunned. He just thought this was the most reckless thing that he had heard anyone doing. It wasn't like I was missing the exam because I had a funeral or I was really sick. No, I was premeditatively choosing not to go to this exam, even though it would contribute to my grade. And I tried to explain to him, look, really, I came here to learn about things that I'm really interested in. And frankly, your economics class is not one of them. And so for me, it's not reckless. This is very sensible. It's only 10% of the grade. I'll still pass the class if I do okay in the later exam. Sorry, but not sorry. Goodbye. And it just revealed to me what perspective we have, what we think is important or not important, shapes so much what we think of as reckless. So I want to think about as we read this chapter, who gets to define what is reckless? You know, because there's some behaviors that have very dangerous implications, and we'll see that with Ron especially, that, you know, on the face of it, wouldn't seem reckless at all. So I'm excited to, to explore that with you in this chapter. Casper, have I ever told you I love you? (laughs) I think that you did exactly the right thing. Did you still pass the class? Yeah, I did. Yeah, just. I think that that is exactly right about grad school or any time that you're in school and your grades don't matter. It's also so freeing to realize that someone else's recklessness is not your recklessness. Right. And this is my favorite things. And people often say it to you because you taught me this as well. Like at live shows, people will come up and say, Vanessa, thank you for celebrating the art of quitting. Because I I feel like this is in the same vein. It's like the world puts so much pressure on us to do this thing or that thing. And it may be right for some people, but if it's not for you, great. Say goodbye. You know, like, don't take that exam. I mean, I did the same thing the next year in my (laughs) econometrics class, which is more like statistics. And I did fail that one. So, you know, I I had to retake (laughs) it. But you know what the benefit was? The second time I took it, I actually understood what was going on. So (laughs) sometimes you just need a little more time. Here's the thing. I also just think that that's a risk, right? And it's a risk you were willing to take. And then you dealt with the repercussions. But just because you took a risk doesn't mean it was reckless. I love you so much. Ugh, what a great story. I love you too. (laughs) More on that anon, Vanessa. But first, let's do our 30-second recap. Are you ready to roll? I am ready. Okay, tell me what happens in Chapter 18. Starting three, two, one, go. So Harry has to get this information about Horcruxes from Slughorn. Hermione can't figure out any additional information from the library. There's this big test on antidotes. Antidotes. 
<laughs> not on anecdotes. <laughs> and Hermione works really hard, and Harry just pulls out a bezoar, and Slughorn still loves him. Then he asks Slughorn about the Horcruxes, and Slughorn denies knowing anything. And then it's Ron's birthday. There's also Operation Class, but Ron's birthday. He gets um, poisoned not once, but twice for mead that was supposed to go to Dumbledore. <gasps> So intense. Oh, my God. Yes. I maybe missed a thing or two, Casper. Can you fill in the holes, please? Yep. Okay. Count me in. Okay. On your mark. Get set. Go. Okay. So it's Ron's birthday and he's coming of age. So we get lots of presents. And um, Ron is uh, very excited about that. But uh, bad things happen. So they have a class. They learn how to apparate. Uh, We meet um, Twycross, who teaches people about the three Ds, which is amusing if you're looking for it um and then um uh, harry's still trying to think how am i gonna get this information he reconnects with hermione um the password has changed for the common room i mean actually it's a pretty chill chapter i would say they use the marauders map and draco's disappear you think this is a chill i mean not if you're wrong but for everyone else so vanessa i want to start our theme conversation by really going to the center of what Harry's mission is at this point in the book, which is to try and understand from Slughorn, what did he tell Riddle as a young man? Um, He's seen it in the Pensieve in the previous chapter, and he thinks, you know, maybe this is the the perfect opportunity in this potions class to just hang behind and ask Slughorn outright. And Slughorn takes maybe half a second before realizing that Dumbledore is behind this and is very frosty with Harry. And We celebrate Harry so much throughout these books for his ability to think on the spot and to be creative and courageous. And sometimes that demands recklessness, you know, in that recklessness can be creativity. But in this case, where he's not actually under any immediate urgency, I actually think Harry's planning is poor. And he shows the recklessness of just not thinking through a better way to open this conversation. He could be so much more subtle, but he's not. I also think it is incredibly reckless because he damages the relationship. And in order for someone to share something with you, you need trust. And there are a million better ways into this, right? There is... Dumbledore has asked me to take up a mantle that my mother, who you loved, died for. There's so many obvious ways to go about this if he was just willing to put in a little bit of time brainstorming. And I love your point that it is at least in part because there's no great punishment Mm -hmm. if he doesn't get the information the first time. He's just being lazy. That's the word that I was thinking of. I was like, this isn't even reckless. It's lazy. Like, And I think, in fact, that it's influenced by what's just happened in the chapter, right? He has learned that in potions class, he can just show up. He can read the commentary from the Half-Blood Prince and he'll be the best potions maker in the class. And even this time, when it fails him, it still gives him that out of saying, just stick a bezoar down their throat. And even then it still works. So I think he's showing up in the potions class without needing to prepare anymore. And he does exactly the same thing. He's like, oh, hey, professor, how about Horcruxes? And I love your point about Lily. Like, even when he does the bezoar, Slughorn waxes lyrical about, you know, you get your creativity with potions from Lily. Like, this is the sign of a true potions master. Like, why couldn't he say, you know, I want to avenge my mother and I need to understand everything I can. You know, he could still be upfront about wanting it, but he could at least be more creative and and bring Lily into it somehow. Well, I do think that this is the downside of privilege, right? Mm. Harry has all the privilege in this classroom. Slughorn loves him for being famous. He has this extra tool, which I think the metaphor for that would be like an expensive tutor. Right. He's just the golden boy in this classroom. And 
the easier your path in life is, the more you assume it's going to keep being that, which is a fair mm-hmm. assumption. We all operate under the assumption that our life is going to continue the way that it has always gone. And so Slughorn has always been really amenable to Harry. So why would things suddenly change? And yeah, assuming that your privilege is a right and not luck, I think is the deep recklessness here. I mean, there was there was something about Slughorn bringing up Lily in this chapter that suddenly made me think differently about the whole previous story, which is that we know that Lily is talented at charms and now apparently she's also talented at potions. But of course, Snape was always very talented at potions as well. And so I wonder, like, was that a bond for Snape and Lily, especially when they were younger? Like, I, I just suddenly saw this echo of a connection that Harry never really investigates and therefore we don't get to understand better in the books. But you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think it's entirely possible because Lily was in Gryffindor and Snape was in Slytherin and now Gryffindor and Slytherin take potions (gasps) together. I mean, nothing at Hogwarts ever changes. So I don't think that this is an updated system. And I love that, the possibility that Lily and Snape, you know, worked at the same table all right. those years ago, and that maybe even that's part of why both of them were good at it. If you have a fellow friend who's good at something with you, you push each other and it's more fun to study together. And Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking of how maybe even in the, the Half-Blood Prince book, maybe there's elements of Lily's wisdom in oh, there as well. That's such an incredible thought. I mean, the line that really is striking to me in this incident is didn't Snape say something about a Beezor all those years ago? Yes, yes. You know, and in the ways that Snape is there to help Harry that Harry doesn't know about, mm-hmm. and the way that Snape is always helping Harry in ways that he doesn't know about from the very first book. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Where else did you see recklessness show up in this chapter? The other place in this Slughorn incident where I saw recklessness was in Slughorn, not telling Harry the truth. I think that they are both reckless here. Yes. I think Slughorn made a mistake 50 years ago or Well, he was reckless then, right? Like, I, I think that's an ultimate moment of recklessly sharing information that he shouldn't have. Absolutely. So he did this reckless thing 50 years ago. And it is obviously something that haunts him, that he feels a tremendous amount of shame and guilt over, so much so that he has tried to obliterate his own memory on this. And I just think that Dumbledore and now Harry are both giving him the opportunity to fix it, right? Or to not fix it entirely, but to make a little bit of amends. And I, you know, will recklessly hurt somebody's feelings without noticing. And I just wonder how many times I'm given the opportunity to fix it when I don't fix it. Mm. Slughorn recklessly missing not only one opportunity with Dumbledore, but now this second chance with Harry to go back and make good on a horrible thing that he did all those years ago. It's just making me think about all the second, third, and nine millionth chances I'm given with people that I don't take advantage of. I'm believing more and more as I grow older that like living a good life is not even about not hurting people or not doing things wrong because that's just inevitable, right? Like we're human, we're going to screw up, we're going to upset people, just whatever you do, and we're going to have negative impacts on people. And so it, it, I think so much of my attention now is on, so then what? You know, what do you do? And I think your point is beautiful because 
He's invited twice explicitly. And I mean, he, we're in the middle of a war now, right? Like he has access to information that could really help. And I think we have to we have to be fierce on Slughorn here that it's not just reckless for himself. I, I get the sense that maybe he doesn't have a, a great esteem of himself, but he's being reckless with other people's lives now. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And to some extent, this crime is worse mm. because he didn't know what Tom Riddle wanted the information for then. And he didn't know how much harm he was going to do. And he's not going to, he didn't do anything illegal. He didn't even do anything that deeply immoral, right? He he was a teacher and a student had a really precocious question and he answered it. And it was a very bright student and a student who was always good to him and seemed charming mm-hmm. and well-adjusted. Mm-hmm. But now he has all this information about how wrong it was. And so now is his opportunity to go and fix it. And that is what the real crime is yeah. to me when we're in the middle of these things. I mean, as you said, right, like we're all going to make mistakes, but it's what we do with our legacies after. And the thing that's interesting on this theme of recklessness for me is that I've always thought of reckless as being an action that you take. But here we're seeing not taking an action as being reckless. That's an interesting reframe for me. You know, something that I've been made to think about recently is the role of Pope Francis in the dirty war in the 1970s in Argentina. And he was at the beginning of that conflict was really on the wrong side of history. But he then dedicated the rest of his life to making up for that. And I do think that sometimes our mistakes are those opportunities. It's impossible to make the right decision every single time. The world is chaos. But what we do with hindsight when things are clear is what matters. And Slughorn just, I feel like grace is being offered to him again and again. And he is being reckless with the offerings of grace. Yeah, that's powerful. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Me Undies. I have lots of kinds of underwear in my drawer, but I have to tell you that my favorite kind of underwear is Me Undies. I love them so much, and Colette, my wife, is so jealous of them that when Mother's Day came up this year and she wanted a variety of different gifts for Mother's Day, one of the things she wanted was some Me Undies underwear and also their lounge pants. I have a pair of Me Undies lounge pants, and Colette deserves a super soft, super comfortable pair of Me Undies lounge pants. There are styles for everyone from all black classics to fun, expressive prints, and they come in sizes extra small to 4XL, guaranteeing a flattering cut for everybody. And like I said already, they have unmatched comfort. Their signature fabric is as soft as a warm hug from your favorite sweater. It's also breathable, stretchy, and oh so comfy, making it ideal for all day wear. MeUndies are also responsibly sourced. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers. Get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash HPST. That's MeUndies.com slash HPST for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. 
This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Where else in the chapter do you see, do you just see this theme of recklessness? So I'm curious if we see Ron as being reckless here. So poor Ron, poor Ron (laughs) gets poisoned twice in this chapter on his birthday. Guy can't get a break. I mean, it's brutal. (laughs) And, you know, he eats the chocolate cauldrons off the floor, assuming that it was a present for him that fell off his bed. Is that reckless? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like it's so understandable. And even we as readers don't notice that that's happening. You know, I feel like it's so subtle. And to some extent, you know, maybe this is where the boundary of recklessness ends. And, you know, he's in his own domestic space eating an everyday object that's normally fine. I don't think we should be testing every food item for poison like we're Henry VIII or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I completely agree. So it, to some extent, I don't want to call this reckless because it should be safe. And the fact that it isn't has nothing to do with his judgment. And it has all to do with someone else's intent. Completely. And then there's this additional moment of poisoning when he's brought to Slughorn's office and Slughorn feeds him wine that was meant for Dumbledore. Well, this is where I do think we see recklessness because Slughorn literally says, oh, I do have this oak-soaked mead meant for Dumbledore. And, you know, he's saying that I was planning to share it with Dumbledore later. But then he makes this on-the-spot decision, even though he's got plenty of other drinks. And frankly, these are still young people in an educational environment. Like, wouldn't it be better just to go with butterbeer? But he says, oh, you know, let's just open this bottle. There was an element of recklessness in this decision, which feels different from the chocolate. I guess to some extent we can just blame Draco and Romelda Vane that they have sort of committed these crimes of trying to poison people and their victims. And and certainly Katie Bell wasn't reckless at all when she got injured. And I don't think we should be victim blaming. And I think Draco and Romelda Vane, we see the recklessness of crime in mm. that just because you intend to hurt one person doesn't mean that you're not going to have unintended victims. Mm-hmm. But also, I guess... Some, Maybe the moment of recklessness I would point to, with all of those caveats aside, is that Harry should have taken him to the hospital wing. Harry is like, I didn't want to take him because we're not supposed to have candy in the dorms. Madame Pumphrey wouldn't be like, what? Illegal candy? (laughs) She's seen worse before breakfast. I think this is Harry. I I guess he knows that obviously Slughorn is a very good potions maker and that Ron will be fine and is this a moment where he is being super strategic of using Ron's desperate bodily needs to like rebuild this relationship with Slughorn because we've seen that you know Slughorn's not hosting the Slug Club Harry's not getting any more access so 
this might be more of a moment of recklessness that does pay off for him. That is so interesting. I had not thought of that. And that reminds me of your opening story, that what Hmm. looks reckless to me is actually strategic in him prioritizing something else, where I am on the outside being like, no, no, go to Madame Pomfrey. He's like, I don't care about Madame Pomfrey. Ron just has a love potion. He'll get over it in an hour no matter what. I just need to keep him in a padded room. This is a great (laughs) excuse to go to Slughorn. Mm. But the interesting thing is, of course, it's not like Harry had a plan of this for days. So even though this plan works, it's still reckless. Like, I guess we need to figure out, is recklessness bad per se, right? Like there's something about instantaneous judgment, activating as soon as you've had the idea, you know, without full information, without long-term planning. Sometimes, you know, it, it, it totally makes sense. Like it's not a bad thing to do. Yeah. I mean, recklessness, I think, like many things, is just in the eye of the beholder. And I think where the problem with Harry is, is that he can't opt in and opt out of it. It is Mm. his modus operandi. And I think that that is a difference between Harry and Hermione. Hermione is capable of saying, now is the moment in which we need to be reckless and just make a decision because it is a game time decision and we need to not care about the rules and this is an emergency. You know, Rita Skeeter in a jar, slapping Draco Malfoy, et cetera. We know she's capable of making these reckless decisions. But when she has the ability to be planful and meticulous, we know that she's also capable of that. And it doesn't seem as though Harry has that planful and meticulous mode. And that is where it becomes frustrating. So, Casper, what is one last place that you see this theme of recklessness? Well, let's go to the apparition class because we meet Twycross, who, you know, is this old wizard who sets up this kind of temporary space in which people can apparate as those of age trained to to learn this new skill, which is a big moment of becoming an adult in the wizarding world. And there was something that really struck me because he uses, he overuses these three Ds that you have to focus on your destination, you have to focus on your determination and deliberation as their kind of key tools to, to being a good apparator. And to me, I suddenly thought, gosh, those are the ultimate antidote for recklessness, right? Destination, I care about where I'm going. I care about the consequence. Determination, you know, this is not a one-off moment that I'm responding to, right? Like it's a longer term focus and attention. And deliberation is like, I'm not just thinking about where I'm going, but I'm thinking of all the other contextual elements around me. Who am I with? What time of day is it? You know, all of those kind of questions that any good plan should involve. And so I just really like that balance as we're thinking about recklessness to think of Twycross as the ultimate kind of anti-recklessness antidote. That is a brilliant metaphor, Casper, that I had not thought of at all. I mean, because apparition seems like something born out of recklessness. It is something where you can spontaneously go from here to there. But the methodology of it is Mm anti-recklessness. And so I think that there's just such a beautiful metaphor in there for the ways in which we should be reckless, that Mm. we should be reckless with a little bit of thought, of knowing ourselves, knowing that we are somebody who values X, Y, and Z. Moments that are obvious that we should be reckless is you have a bleeding child in the backseat of your car. It's a safe stop sign to run. You run the stop sign, right? Like you've predetermined that your child is someone who you care about so much that you're willing to run a stop sign over. Mm. And so that's that deliberation and determination. Oh, I love that, that operating seems like a reckless thing. 
but it is actually not at all reckless. And if done poorly, the stakes are really high. Yeah, absolutely. Splenching does not sound fun. Do you think the way that they're teaching this is reckless? It seems as though it's the best <laughs> way that they can come up with. Like there's is no it, other way. Is it? I just felt like this was a whole other chapter of On failed pedagogy. pedagogy. Oh, gourds. Yeah, just in the sense, I mean, I don't want to be harsh on Twycross, but he definitely doesn't seem like the person who's, you know, keeping up with latest uh, pedagogical frameworks in, you know, peer-reviewed journals. I mean, at minimum, they should warn the kids that there's a risk of splinching and that it's not a big deal if it happens. Right. And this is what you should do. And we have these safety folks here and... I mean, he he just seems to have very little attention to what's going on. We hear that Draco is arguing with Crab and Goyle. You know, there's conflict in the room and he is just, he shows up, he gives the three Ds and he leaves again. Like it's very, it has to be new for you too in order to be effective for the students, right? Yeah, which is also a funny thing about recklessness. You would think that having the most experienced teacher would be the right thing to do but eventually even the most experienced teacher is a reckless decision Mm. so i really do think recklessness depends so much and i also think recklessness is just about what it is that you hold dear Mm. and it might be that hogwarts holds this relationship with this professor more dear than it holds its students having the best teacher available yeah that's very true So, Casper, we are doing Sacred Imagination this week, the amazing practice first invented by St. Ignatius of Loyola, in which we are going to invite all of our listeners to close their eyes, if safe, and to imagine themselves into this scene. And so this is the scene between Harry and Ron, and Ron has just been poisoned, but Harry does not know that yet. And so we invite you to either be Harry or Ron or a fly on the wall. And even though it is my week to do Sacred Imagination, I've asked Casper to read for me and he has graciously accepted because I have bronchitis. And so we are going to try to save my voice a little bit. And so put your feet on the floor, take a deep breath in, and Casper. This is really funny and everything, said Harry impatiently, but joke's over, all right? Drop it. He turned to leave. He had got two steps towards the door when a crashing blow hit him on the right ear. Staggering, he looked around. Ron's fist was drawn right back. His face was contorted with rage. He was about to strike again. Harry reacted instinctively. His wand was out of his pocket and the incantation sprang to mind without conscious thought. Levy corpus! Ron yelled as his heel was wrenched upwards once more. He dangled helplessly upside down, his robes hanging off him. What was that for? Harry bellowed. You insulted her, Harry. You said it was a joke, shouted Ron, who was slowly turning purple in the face as all the blood rushed to his head. This is insane, said Harry. What's got into? And then he saw the box lying open on Ron's bed, and the truth hit him with the force of a stampeding troll. Where did you get those chocolate cauldrons? They were a birthday present, shouted Ron, revolving slowly in midair as he struggled to get free. I offered you one, didn't I? You just picked them up off the floor, didn't you? They'd fallen off my bed, all right. Let me go. They didn't fall off your bed, you prat. You don't understand. They were mine. Oh, so Casper, who were you in the scene? 
I was Ron. (laughs) What did it feel like? Because I was Harry. So what did it feel like to be in Ron's body? It's so funny because even just reading it, I just felt like how wronged I was, even though I'm the one to hit Harry, right? Like Ron hits Harry around the face. Like that's a pretty aggressive move. But I, I didn't even register that as something that was bad. Like I was just so confused like why won't he let me be with the person i love you know just like (laughs) i'm just like outraged and just like no i want to be with romilda so i guess there was a real single-mindedness like i wasn't even aware of consequences of my actions if that makes sense yeah i mean i know this is like chemically induced or magically induced but there is something wonderful about that feeling when you're just like, I, I just die for you. I love you. You're right like that intensity of, I have to say, teenage love. Of course, there's many other types of wonderful love where we would sacrifice ourselves. But th- this particular expression just feels so recognizable when you're like, the world's going to end if I'm not with you. <laughs> I don't know. I found it quite a sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he literally doesn't know who Romilda Vane is. <laughs> Isn't that the most perfect expression of teenage? like angsty love sometimes (laughs) yeah how about you Vanessa what did you feel as Harry so what I felt as Harry was like confused and frustrated like in those moments where you're out with a friend or you arrive at a party and you don't realize how drunk they are and you're Mm. like why are they behaving like this and then you're like oh but then this moment of panic of yeah. Those were not yours. And how angry Harry gets. I, I don't think I'd picked up before how mad Harry gets that Ron has picked up the chalk and cauldrons off the floor. That he's saying, you prat. Right? He is yeah. furious at Ron. And that is something that really resonates with me. When somebody I know has hurt themselves, it is my first instinct to be mad at them. I'm like, yeah. how dare you right. be sick or injured? <laughs> You know, Romilda, again, is the bad person here. It is not Ron. Ron has done nothing wrong. But this instinct to get mad at Ron really stuck out to me. Yeah, and we're going to see Ron's world, you know, just become more and more dangerous, even his own home in, in, in the Deathly Hallows. This, this is a war, and there's, there is no place of safety. Thank you, Casper. Thank you. What a good passage. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, this week's voicemail is from Brady Cole. Hey, Vanessa and Casper. Uh, I'm Brady Cole. I live in Virginia, and I'm a really big fan of your podcast. Um, so I'd like to take the time during this recording to bless Neville Longbottom. I've recently been bullied for being a little bit more on the chubby-ish side. And I just feel Neville because, you know, he also gets kind of bullied. You know, he gets... Malfoy uses the leg locker curse on him. Uh, like, everyone just kind of is mean to Neville and... <clears throat> Kind of just feel him, and I'd just like to bless him, and I'm glad that he's, like, like I don't know, it's just, yeah. I love your podcast, and I hope to see this on there soon. Bye. Well, Brady, thank you so much for your voicemail, and I think Neville is such a wonderful, wonderful character to see yourself in. Neville, I think, demonstrates how people who are bullied can and almost always do grow up to just be strong, wonderful people. And I just the only thing I would say is it is not because, as you said, you are chubby-ish. Bullies do not bully for anything that is wrong with you. They bully because things that are going on with them. So do not see this as being your doing at all. There's absolutely nothing that you are doing that is causing this bullying, including just existing in your own beautiful body. That is not what is happening here. Yeah, I completely agree. And in some ways, I mean, just looking at Draco in this chapter, even we see how he is at his wits end, you know, the the ways in which there's such discord between him and Crab and Goyle in the apparition lesson. It's just a, another sign, exactly as you were saying, Vanessa, that you know, people who bully are usually unhappy in themselves, and it's a way of taking it out on someone else to, to make themselves feel better that ultimately doesn't serve anyone. So I'm really glad you enjoyed the podcast, Brady. Thanks for listening. Well, Vanessa, it's time for us to offer a blessing to someone in this chapter, and who are you going to bless this week? I am going to bless our darling Hermione. <laughs> there is a moment in this chapter where she has worked so hard 
inside and outside of the classroom to really be on top of her potions lessons. She is using the fact that Harry is soaring as motivation not to tear him down, but as motivation to study harder than ever. Mm. She knows the theory and the practical elements of it. Slughorn gives them what seems to be an impossible assignment, which is the problem with the teacher and not the students, if not a single student in a classroom <laughs> could do something. Indeed. And Hermione tries so hard, and Harry gets applauded for quote-unquote cheek. And we've all been in situations like that where somebody else is getting credit when they haven't done the work, or some idiot in your English class clearly hasn't read the book but is prattling on and on as if they've read the book, and just (laughs) how frustrating it is when other people don't do any of the work and get all the credit. Oh, that is just the worst. <laughs> that is just the worst. And thank God that she does learn it because she's going to be so vital down the road that she knows all these things. So, yes, blessings yes. to Hermione. Casper, who would you like to bless this week? Well, your sacred imagination really helped me find someone that I wanted to bless this week, which is Romilda Vane. Mm. I'm just taken back to that feeling of of just complete overwhelming force of desire and like longing for someone who you can't have. I mean, I feel like I spent most of my my teenage years <laughs> like that. And it makes you do stupid things. I mean, I when I was 13 or 14, I set up an email account and like emailed this guy two years above me, just these like anonymous love emails. Oh God. And it was all I knew how to do. And so I, I understand why she's sent these, I was going to say cursed chocolates. Of course, they're, they're not quite cursed. But I, I guess this is a blessing for anyone who feels that they are so hopelessly in love. And what I have learned is that just like the chocolates wear out on Ron, and as they would on Harry, this kind of desperate yearning and, and reckless love will also pass in you as they did in me. So for anyone who feels caught up in that kind of overwhelming longing, it will pass. You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And join our Facebook group to chat with other listeners about this and every other episode. Come and join the incredible community of people supporting us on Patreon and get little bonuses like a monthly sacred imagination from me. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow the Common Ground Pilgrimages on Instagram and always send us a voicemail. Our Don't Be a Dursley campaign has three weeks left and we are so excited to still be collecting money for ISS up until Christmas Day. And this week we want to offer a huge thank you to Zach Pankratz who donated $1,000 to the Don't Be a Dursley campaign. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming live shows in Toronto, December 9th, and in St. Louis, Missouri on December 19th. And stay tuned for more information about our 2020 tour by signing up for our newsletter at harrypottersacredtext.com. Next week, we'll be reading Chapter 19, Elf Tales, through the theme of harmony. This episode is produced by Not Sorry Productions. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. Our associate producer is Chelsea Erson. Our music is by Ivan Paisal and Nick Boll. And we are part of Night Vale Presents. Thanks to Brady Cole for this week's voicemail. And thanks as ever to Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Maggie Needham, Megan Kelly, and of course, Stephanie Purcell. We'll see you all next week. You know, you can have a grumpy patron saint. Like he's he's sort of Severus Snape, the patron saint of idiots. of grumpy helpers. The the patron saint of Harry Potter, the grumpy patron saint of Harry Potter, right? The l- yeah. reluctant. <laughs> <laughs>
patron saint of Harry Potter. I love that. 